truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on The Blaze, radio, TV, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. That man is playing Galaga, and he doesn't think we were going to notice, but we did. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. For those of you just listening today, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We've got a jam-packed show for you here today. Uh, coming up next hour, we are going to continue our going back to the future, if you will, looking at uh, Rush Limbaugh's uh, seminal work more than 25 years later, the way things ought to be. And the next chapter we're going to look at in this book study, I just can't stop smiling because, um, you know what? It touches on some familiar themes. And this is the text of a monologue that Rush gave to his audience the Monday after Thanksgiving, back in 1991. And I guess the best way to summarize it would be with the term prequel. We'll explain coming up uh, a little bit later on. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. Some of the nuttiest, most counterintuitive polling I have seen in my career came out here as we are mercifully. I think I speak for almost every single one of us. Regardless of what orifice we did or didn't have sex with most recently, mercifully, the Panderfest well, it's never over. It wasn't over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, John Belushi, uh, and it, it won't end. But at least it'll be dialed down to a somewhat humane, less radioactive level. I, I, I woke up today when the calendar said July 1, and I felt like I had just emerged from Lawrence Olivier's dental chair. Is it safe? Because there has been seemingly nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Oreos are now even in on the Panderfest, all right? Uh, but there's some polling that is being put out by the Rainbow Jihad itself. And it's, it's some of the most counterintuitive polling I've ever seen. Because either they're admitting that they're annoying the hell out of people, or they're, they're planting push poles. We'll explain, and uh, we'll let we'll let Bob react to this coming up at the bottom of the hour. But you know, not a day goes by that we seemingly don't get some update of someone being deplatformed, someone having their voice taken away. And I wish it was because you know, uh, lefties are on Twitter over the weekend advocating this poor reporter Andy No uh, get hit even harder, maybe with bricks next time. But apparently that's not what gets you deplatformed. Typically what gets you deplatformed nowadays, uh, is daring to have an opinion that, that doesn't line up with your progressive gatekeepers. There's, there's ways we can fight back. Now, sometimes you need a product in a field and you just have to have it and there's nothing you can do about it. But when there are options on the table for us to do business with people, 
who are then going to spend our money in ways that you know won't be spent against us later, we should definitely take advantage of it. One of those ways is your mobile phone. In 2013, a group of conservatives got fed up watching their cell phone bill going to the left. Therefore, they created Patriot Mobile. Since 2015, they have quietly raised over $2 million for conservative causes, and they need more of your support. You can get the same nationwide service, but with a portion of your bill going to support the candidates and causes you believe in this time. And with unlimited plans starting as low as $25 a month, you can save money and help save the country from the left at the same time. Right now, Patriot Mobile is offering a free month of service on all new lines. Switching is easy. If you want to learn more, go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze. That's patriotmobile.com slash blaze and get a free month of service on all new lines when you make the switch at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the DMZ. President Trump became the first sitting U.S. president to set foot inside North Korea this weekend. And his continued perplexing love affair with Kim Jong-un was on full display. I just want to say that uh, this is my honor. I didn't really expect it. We were in Japan for the G20. We came over and I said, hey, I'm over here. I want to call up the Chairman Kim. And we got to meet and... Uh, Stepping across that line was a great honor. A lot of progress has been made. It's still entirely unclear what concessions or progress is being made with the North Korean regime. Moving on, you may remember the journalist by the name of Andy No from such great hits as exposing transgender fake hate crimes and other acts of journalism the mainstream media won't touch. Well, this gay Vietnamese American, and I'm only mentioning that to underscore the immense levels of hypocrisy on display coming up, was viciously beaten this weekend on the penultimate day of Pride Month while covering a mob of Antifa terrorists on the streets of Portland, Oregon. He was left with a brain hemorrhage after the attack, and despite his status as a still relatively unknown journalist, the story lit up the internet over the weekend. The milkshake that was thrown at Mr. No reportedly had quick-drying cement in it to boot. Absolutely none of the 600 Democratic candidates for president have chosen to condemn Antifa after the assault, whilst a revealing portion of blue checkmarked lefties actually downplayed and or supported it. No was not the only person beaten by the mob. A few days earlier in Portland, a video surfaced of another man being viciously beaten and left with lacerations on his head. Portland police arrested three people in connection with other reported attacks, over the weekend. Moving on and on the campaign trail, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio wants Medicare for all to pay for your self-mutilation. Absolutely. We have to respect everyone's medical needs. And if someone needs a surgery to be full and to live their life fully, the idea is a healthcare system that actually serves everyone to the fullest. But O'Rourke is still out there wildly swinging his arms. And we've got to remember that they are fleeing the deadliest countries on the face of the planet today, compounded by drought that was caused not by God, not by Mother Nature, but by us. Man-made climate change, our emissions, our excesses, our inaction in the face of the facts and the science. When it is that deadly, and when you're unable to grow your own food to feed yourself, you have no choice but to come here. Joe Biden said some things about some stuff. We gotta recognize that kid wearing a hoodie may very well be the next poet laureate and not a gangbanger. Well said, Joe. In other news, some chick tweeted over the weekend, little does Chick-fil-A know they just accepted gay money. 
Yes, Pride Month is over, but a new poll taken by the Harris Research Group on behalf of the radical gender-bending group GLAAD shows a significant decline in those aged 18 to 34 years old who say they feel comfortable interacting with LGBTQ people. 53% say they felt comfortable in 2017, while just 45% said the same thing in 2018. According to the poll, the main factor driving the dip are young women whose overall comfort levels went from 64% in 2017 to 52% in 2018. That didn't stop the first ever queer liberation march from taking place in New York City over the weekend. It was billed as an alternative to regular pride parades and rejects corporate and police support because... I think the importance is a lot of people forget that pride is supposed to be a celebration, but it didn't start on a happy note. It started out with lots of protests and rally and hurt and blood and sweat and tears, so remembering where it started and, and appreciating that is... So Apparently, they're just looking for things to be oppressed about nowadays. And finally, this. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And that's what happened while we were away. Couldn't happen to a bigger douche. Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, do you struggle to get started each day, have bursts of productivity, only to crash again in the mid-afternoon and limp across the 5 p.m. finish line? If that's you, you're like millions of Americans, so you're not unique, especially with the schedules that a lot of us are keeping these days. The problem is you're, you're, you're supplementing yourself with a bunch of chemicals. All right. Uh, get your nature uh, or get your energy from nature's way, from the manufacturer, from your creator. All right. The team of top physicians at Brickhouse Nutrition have developed today's most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brain and your cells. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. You'll get clean energy, focus, and improved mood for up to 10 hours with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. And right now, you can try it using my name as a promo code and get 15% off of your first order when you go to BrickhouseSteve.com. Com. Promo code Steve. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. BrickhouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve uh, to get 15% off of your first order. We're going to talk about what happened to Andy No and what we learned uh, from this assault over the weekend coming up in the roundtable. I'm sorry. We used to be called, the artist formerly called the roundtable, now called Overtime. Uh, for those of you that are Blaze TV subscribers, uh, if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, today's a good day to start. Just go to blazetv.com slash mylastnamedace, and you'll get a discounted subscription when you sign up using my last name. That won't just let you watch today's Overtime, but all of the exclusive content produced each day here at blazetv.com slash dace. Uh, elsewhere in your montage, did you hear... First of all, it is fascinating to hear Bill de Blasio talk about these things as these, these sexual desires, identities, as if they are immutable. For he is married to a former lesbian. There it is. I don't know how many of you realize this. And no, this isn't a hot take. It's not a troll. Go look it up. I mean, when he was running for mayor several years ago is when I was trying out to do Afternoon Drive in New York City for Salem Radio, and the New York Daily News had a feature about her. Who is this woman? And because she was writing, identifying as a lesbian in the city in the late 70s, early 80s, and, and writing, you know, proto-versions of rainbow jihad propaganda we see today. Well, now they're married with children. You know, and she doesn't like to talk about her sexual identity. I can imagine why, being that... 
She's a living, breathing, walking, talking bumper sticker uh, veto pen of her own propaganda. <laughs> All right. So it is fascinating for Bill de Blasio to say, and, and the standard of whatever makes you whole, we have to cover. Really? There's no filter to that. Whatever the human heart desires must be subsidized. Folks, that, that's the spirit of the age, progressivism, and its welfare state. In a nutshell, I mean, what you're watching take place now is all the stuff people like me warned you about and people who came before me warned you about for years, for decades. And we were told, we were called nuts, crazy. I mean, when you see the visuals of that queer liberation march that is in Aaron's montage, go online and, and maybe YouTube has scrubbed these so you can't get them anymore. I don't know. But, but I saw a video like that. Those are the videos that like Jerry Falwell Sr. and D. James Kennedy used to show on their television programs on Sunday mornings to scare Christian America against, uh, you know, against what was coming with the, with the radical homosexual agenda. Remember that terminology, Todd? You grew up hearing some of that stuff? Sure, absolutely. Is that not right out of what those videos uh, they you know they'd go and they'd go and get these videos out of San Francisco and what was going on with their parades because you know mainstream media rest of this country didn't want anybody to see that because if you did you'd say uh, hell no we're not supporting that's the crazy train I don't want that stuff down the the main street of my own neighborhood and and now it is this is the stuff that that the old religious right people the the kind of the and if you don't know those names those are two of the foundational members of the old religious right right there with a uh you know a a, a James Dobson James Robeson um Paul Weirich uh who was the catholic that started Heritage Foundation I mean these were the guys that started the original religious right and the, and these are the videos we used to see in the 80s and early 90s about what would happen if we allowed this to go mainstream and they were mocked as haters and everything else. And now that we just went a month of this pander fest, this has gone. This has been mainstream in almost every major uh, urban center in the United States of America. And what Bill De Blasio was saying there: whatever makes you whole, someone else is on the hook for. They're just verbalizing the arguments we used to make against them. Now. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. But let's switch gears. All right. In the time we have remaining. Your favorite topic. I want to talk about Trump's visit to North Korea. Now, some of you may have noticed. And, and some of you have, because I've gotten notes from some of you. Some of you, in fact, have attempted to hijack the comments section of some of my tweets on different topics. Noticing. What I'm about to point out. I have said not a word. Not a word. I've not said a word to you guys privately. I haven't said a word about it publicly since Trump put out the call me maybe on Friday. Hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. Call me maybe. But I've not said a word since he stepped across uh, the line there, and into North Korea. And there are reasons for this. 
before I get to them, I want to hear what you two have to say. And on purpose, I'm not saying anything. I don't want to, I don't want to take any chances. I am polluting the control sample here. So I'm not saying a word. And I haven't said a word for the last 36 plus hours about this anywhere. So Todd, I'll start with you. Your thoughts. My thoughts are, as they have always been concerning this stuff, I, I'm just going to reset what I've said publicly on the show before. I said, this is, we are all tweaked differently by things <clears throat> Donald Trump is, does. Regarding, it, it's less, it's not really specific about North Korea or its leader. It's just, I, I don't, I think if, Hussein, uh, Saddam Hussein, um, I, I, I think just, there's, there's just nobody Trump would not be willing to meet with. Uh, just simply, this is just how he rolls. So it, that to me is set aside. It's just something I've come to accept. And then I just take on what he does with them. And, and Aaron is right. We're still not sure what we are getting, if anything, out of this. But that's a separate topic to me out of the fact that he's meeting with him. And I just think there's no, there's no person that Trump would not meet with. And I, I don't know to make a good or uh, ill of that. It, it, I think it's, it, it simply must be taken as the way he rolls. So instead of, um, I, that's why I don't get worked up. I, the things he says about um, my friend, things like that, that irks me because yeah. we know that what this guy has done, what he's capable of doing, but the simple fact of meeting with him or dictate, it just doesn't bother anymore. Be- not because I even think it's right or wrong. I just, he, this is who Donald Trump is. What do you think, Aaron? I really don't know because I think it's just as likely that Donald Trump is doing this completely out of id because he just likes the photo ops and he just likes to be the the first sitting U.S. president to walk into North Korea. He likes that. He likes that attention. I think it's most like I think it's just as likely just all id, just all ego as it is. You know what? We're just going to give this guy every last chance in the book. Uh, And if he doesn't do anything and if he doesn't actually give us some real concessions, then maybe I mean, I think the chances of the former are probably a lot greater than the latter, but I, I just don't I don't I don't know because as Todd said, this is just who Donald Trump is. I don't I don't understand the strategy. If it's four dimensional chess, I still don't understand the strategy. It's never four dimensional chess. I it, again, this is really difficult. I'm I'm on TV, radio, podcast. I'm supposed to have a great opinion here and tell you exactly what's going on. All that I know is that that's going on right now is that Donald Trump has an enormous ego and that was stroked a little bit, or at least he thought it was over the weekend. That's all I got for you. And one last thing, the one thing about this is he can't be a hypocrite in the way other leaders, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, can by picking and choosing if you meet with just everybody, no matter how bad they are. They're like, yeah, we'll talk. We'll see what happens. I don't know what doors are behind that curtain. Again, it. It may go nowhere. It may go to even worse places than we are now. Um, but he, he clearly has, he does not care about the way things were done in the past. He doesn't care what the State Department uh, bureaucrats have said. He just don't care. All right. So I think that's actually one of his most endearing qualities. I, I, I don't really care about 
violating norms. Um, nor- norms are not the same thing as as foundational principles. Norms can be good. Norms can be bad. You know, sometimes things are just norm the norms because that's what people are comfortable with, and it's the same good norm can become yep. bad because yes. their time has passed. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about that. There's a worldview issue here to me. And I I think it's extraordinary to see an American president step into North Korea. And but let me tell you why it doesn't feel the same way as it did when Ronald Reagan walked down the streets of Moscow. And it really has nothing to do about their personalities or any nostalgic view of the Reagan era or any of that stuff for me. It really does not. But, but that was the culmination of a process. The, the Soviet Union had to be weakened. Some of you that, that want this to work, and, and especially those of you that just want everything he does to be considered a success without any track record of showing that it actually is, you're going to point out that, that the North Korean people are starving. I'm not talking about the North Korean economy weakened. I'm talking about the regime. Soviet people starved and lived in gulags for decades. They suffered for decades. The regime, though, wasn't weakened. If the, if the, because here's, here's why that's important. If the regime isn't weakened, there is nothing there is no incentive for Kim Jong-un to negotiate anything. There's no incentive for any level of perestroika. What has he given up in order to get the recognition that he's already gotten? He's been feted at the Olympics and everything else. I mean, what, 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 what is there to give up? If his regime isn't weakened, then it's not threatened by its own people. And therefore, there's no incentive for him to Gorbachev, to be the Gorbachev of this scenario. Who is triangulating between a West he still distrusts, but an old, you know, Politburo guard that refuses to see the writing is on the wall and the clock is ticking, and they better negotiate their best exit strategy right now. Otherwise, they're all going to be in the, in the gulags one day, one day soon that they used to sentence other people to. And then one day we got up. I came home. I think it was the summer of 1991. I came home from a basketball camp, turned on the TV, the Soviet Union was no more. Or maybe it was a day from school. I'm trying to remember. But it, it literally just like happened overnight. It was gone. Their regime isn't weakened. His domestic power base isn't threatened. And until that's the case, this is where worldview comes in. I, see, I think the president doesn't have a core worldview other than art of the deal. And I think that he believes everybody, every, every one of us are essentially carnal creatures. But he views that aspirationally rather than disappointingly, meaning that there, there's always an itch that can be scratched. There's always an angle that can be played to get something out of somebody that you previously didn't consider. Some men, Mr. Wayne, just want to watch the world burn. This guy just executed the people who organized the first summit that he had with the president. 
Some men just want to watch the world burn. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Kim Jong-un can erect all the towers he wants right now with his name on it and make his people do it for nothing. Like a, you know, like a sultan of the Arab world or like a king of Egypt wanting to erect pyramids, monuments. I think that in and of itself, it can be extraordinary to give hope to those people to see an American president step foot into their country. But I don't believe that will happen if it comes as it has with more than a year of just extraordinary ass kissing of this man. Think through the annals of history. Tell me when this approach with this kind of vile fiend has ever worked. Think of when it has ever worked. I can't think of an example. And the reason it hasn't worked is because it's not a recognition of human nature. There is legitimate evil in the world. And it, and, and, and there's, the, there's, there's different layers of evil. There's the evil we all do as sinners. There's the evil we contemplate. There's the evil we would do without restrictions. And then there's capital E evil. The evil that, that cannot be contained, that cannot be negotiated with, but can only be de- defeated. And I, I, I don't know how this works in the end. He is strengthening him domestically, in fact. Can you only imagine the propaganda that is playing after these events? I'm bringing the American president to his knees. What's the resistance in North Korea? Who's the alternative to the North Korean government? Who's the Solzhenitsyn? Who's, the, who's, the dis, who's leading the dissidents of North Korea in their gulags that the West knows all their names? Who are they? You don't know. None exists. Which means the only entity by which North Korea would reform is Oom. Tell me what leverage there is. Tell me. Because if he's not domestically threatened, I don't know why he would act. Unless you just think he's a misunderstood dude. Well, then I, we just have a fundamental disagreement that, that can't be that can't be reconciled. And I think here, this is where worldview matters. I think, I think Aaron's right. I think the president just likes the headlines. I think Todd is right. I think the president gets off on violating norms. And then thirdly, I think his ego believes that he's the guy that he's, he's, he just, you know, how many deals has he closed? How many women has he bedded? He just no. he just, he just has a certain, uh, savoir faire that will unlock the keys or that will, that, that, that is the key to unlock the heart of Kim Jong-un and turn him into just another Koch brother, another George Soros. I think this is the same kind of magical thinking that the Bush administration and the Obama administration did in the Middle East post 9-11. I think, I think we're projecting here. We're hoping that this is true because we don't want to contemplate the reality of the world if it's not. 
I, I just think we're projecting here. And in the meantime, we're strengthening him domestically. He has, he has brought North Korea onto the world stage. And Trump has helped him do it. There's no way around that. Trump's helped him even more than the, the fetting of his sister during the Olympics last year by the liberal media did. He's treating him like an equal. I'll come to you. I'll pursue you. I will woo you. Who has the leverage in any such relationship? The wooer or the wooee? The pursuer or the pursuee? The initiator or the initiatee? Who has the, who has the, who has the leverage? And that's why I don't think this is going to work. I want to be wrong. I, I'm, not, I'm not rooting against this. I'm just not lying to myself either. As conservatives, we're supposed to be keen observers of history. That, that conservatism is an observational science. This approach never works. It has never worked before. We can't ignore that. One moment. Well, in my neighborhood, there's uh, numerous new real estate companies uh, coming into the market. And you know, I mean, there's a couple that are national, like you've heard of Century 21, obviously. Uh, some of you are like, you guys are just now getting Century 21. Well, you know, it's Iowa. They expect, they kind of like to hold on to old habits. All right. But then there's like all these other companies I've never heard of. How would you vet these? You know, how would you know the agent uh, that, that, you know, is prospecting you about buying or selling your next home or the home that you have? How do you know they're on the up and up? That's why you want to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. It's company website started by Glenn Beck and several of his associates several years ago because they too had grown uh, leery and tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the results when promised. And here's what sets real estate agents I trust apart from some of the other referral services you're going to see out there. Those are really uh, done to help the agents find clients. They're really advocating for the real estate agent and, and for the industry. In this case, Real Estate Agents I Trust is advocating for you, the consumer. This is about not finding customers for agents, but finding agents worthy of having you as a customer. If you want to learn more and you want to check out what it's all about, just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really good. The good thing about being a live read, I get to come in on a live read, and I think they should go to realestateagentsitrust.com, but I, I want to stick up for Iowa. The first home I bought in 1985 was from a Century 21 dealer. Really? Real estate agent. So Can we've we, had them for a while. Have we? Okay. <laughs> I've not seen, a, I, I, last year was the first time I've lived in the same home for 13 years uh, in a West Des Moines suburb close to the mall where you know they're buying and selling homes in that neighborhood all the time. And last year was the first time I ever saw a Century 21 sign. So my bad. Maybe they came back. Maybe they went away. I don't know. Uh, Better Homes and Garden is now doing real estate in our neighborhood. Have you seen? Are you seeing those in yours? I haven't seen those. I've seen Berkshire Hathaway, which I've seen that for us. Yeah, I've seen, and and there's a couple of others that uh, look a little sketch. Yeah, yeah, like uh, you know, don't know who you are. All right. Uh, Speaking of sketch, this is some of the sketchiest polling I have seen in my career. 
of covering po- polling, commissioning polls, studying them, analyzing them professionally, either in the media or for candidates' causes. Because I, something here is amiss. All right. So this is the poll done by USA Today and Harris. Now, before we go to the graphic, let me say this about Harris polling. Harris polling has been around for decades. It's not quite as long as uh, as old as Gallup, which is the granddaddy of mm-hmm. them all. But Harris has been known and a respected pollster for a long time. In fact, um, in the last few years of the old BCS college football uh, process, Harris is who administered the coaches poll, which was part of the old uh, formula to determine who got to play for the national championship, which actually might be, if you remember how that went, uh, might be a pox against their integrity. <laughs> now, I... Though, I will say this. One thing we have learned about leftists, they ruin everything they touch. And sooner or later, anytime they get their hands on something, it, 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 it depreciates in value. The clock is ticking on its institutional integrity. So I wanted to note that while Harris is a respected pollster that has been around for a long time, when you're partnering with leftists, you know, Confucius say, man who lie down with dog, wake up with flea. Okay. So let's go back now to this graphic. This was a poll that came out last week. According to USA Today Harris polling, uh, taken on behalf of GLAAD, if you wonder who they are, they're basically the Rosetta Stone of the Rainbow Jihad. They were its very first major impact group. So-called LGBTQ acceptance among 18 to 34-year-olds. So this is a cross-section of millennials and Gen Z. So-called LGBTQ acceptance among 18 to 34-year-olds has plummeted almost 20 points from 63% to a less than a majority now, 45%, in just the past two years. With the biggest decline and the biggest reason for this decline coming from young women. And they have seen nearly a, 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 or have seen more than a double digit decline of of their support or acceptance for LGBTQ in just the last year. All right. Now, this is some of the most mystifying polling I've seen because, you know, here's how polling typically works. When, When organizations push out polls, typically it's like AARP puts out a poll every election. That, that just, it's amazing, AARP, the, you know, the Associate, American Association of Retired Persons, puts out a poll pointing out that its, its demographic is the most influential in every election. Did you think AARP was going to put out a poll and say, guys, old people just really aren't uh, motivated to vote, don't pay attention to what we think? Just let you know. Would they ever do that? <laughs> yeah, the poll backs the candidate they endorse. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's, that, they're never doing that. And a college football coach is never telling you on signing day, this signing class sucks, and my ass is getting fired in two years, right? <laughs> Every offseason, no team says, I really just don't think we're going to be that good this year. And no organization ever puts out a poll that says, we're in trouble. But this one did. Now, I've never seen this in my career. It's right? not confirming the narrative. No. So either someone stumbled upon some self-awareness Holy hell, we are just annoying the hell out of these people and got to ease up after this pander fest of this past month. Or my suspicion is it's hard to continue a victimology narrative when literally every major sector of the most powerful culture on the planet is bending over backwards to cater to you at all times. So you got to come up with some angle, right? Like that tweet in Aaron's montage. Hi, I'm gay and I went to Chick-fil-A and they took my money. Congratulations. Your protest is enriching your oppressor, dumbass. Giving them your money, moron. So I am inclined to think this poll is a total scam. 
because they're trying to come up with some angle of how they're still victims, even though they have won on every last front. All right. But let's assume that's not true. By scam, do you mean it's not even the numbers aren't true? Totally made up. Okay. That's Absolutely made up. Yeah. A- made up poll to say to make it say what we wanted to say. I-, I think there is a high likelihood this is the case. We have to remain the victim. Yes. Victim all- victims at all costs. But let's set that aside. Okay. Because you'll never be able to prove something like that. But but the, anecdotally, the idea that they just suddenly got some self-awareness after Bake the Cake Bigot doesn't strike me as likely. All right? So let's set that aside for a minute, though, and say that I'm wrong. Or not even consider that the numbers are, are cooked up. And let's take the poll at face value. Bob, can you give some reasons why, other than the fact this poll is just made up to continue being victims, that this might be real? Well, when I read it, I actually thought this could be real. And the reason is, again, go back to my, my background being an educator and a high school principal and a teacher, is that kids also don't like to have things just forced upon them. And like you said, every sector is bending over backwards to say, look how gay we are, look how gay we are. And they're like, wait a minute. And so it's like, I'm willing to stand up for victim rights, but I'm not, I'm not willing to force it up, up, upon me. The other part of it is, when I was a candidate run for office, they often would say in debate. Turn off the volume. Don't listen to what the candidates are saying. I just want to see how does a candidate appear? Do they look like a president? Do they look like a governor? Do they look like? I mean, what is the nonverbal saying to the audience? And Steve, I would argue for your audience, uh, go Google the World Pride Parade and turn off the volume and just watch the graphics and just watch the parade. I was saying before you came on, that queer liberation march that was in New York City yesterday, mm-hmm. that is, if, if it, now they may have scrubbed these from the internet, but if you could go online and find those old Jerry Falwell Sr., D. James Kennedy videos, they used to put on the 80s about what would happen if we legitimized uh, homosexuality. Yeah. These are like, and put them side by side, you wouldn't know the difference. They're like the exact pro- yeah. Christian, scare the Christians to keep voting Republican videos <laughs> that the religious right was putting out in the 80s. And now this movement is just doing this down Main Street, USA. Well, you see, Steve, I had a young man not that long ago, two weeks ago, who witnessed a gay pride march in his city. And he's not one who's like, I'm against the gays or I'm anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm open, let, let people live the way they want to live. He said, I read some of those signs and I watched how some of those people were dressed. And I thought, and this is who we want setting social policy for mm-hmm. our country? And so he he would be one of those, I think, in this demographic of, you know what, I was okay if you guys just want to live the way you want to live, and how does it affect me, all that type of stuff. But also, I'm watching what's happening, and everything is that you've got to be more gay. You, you can't know what gender you are. If you know what gender you are, man, you are out of it today. You can't know what gender you are today. What it is, the words you use all the time, Steve, is are they out kicking their coverage? Mm-hmm. See, I, I, along the line, following about what you, just, you, what you just said, the answer to that question is yes. And if you look at the demographic that is the most responsible for this decline in this survey, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're pointing out, you know, wow, especially with young women, it's plummeted in the last year. Hmm. Well, what have we been inundated with in the last year? that might have caused young women to say, you know, 
this doesn't look like victimology to me. This this looks like you're victimizing other people and taking, you know, opportunities away from people like me. What is there is there is there is there a cause out there currently being considered, currently being fronted, currently being blasted across the airwaves everywhere you go that in particular would make young women feel as if they're vulnerable here. Can you think of something? I can think of several things. But you know the the one that I take a look at uh, as it relates as it relates to this very thing is we don't I mean we don't know what restrooms you use you have to accept exactly. you have to accept transgenderism matter of fact you when, when to, a guy gets two hundred and ninetieth place yeah. running against men yeah. in the NCAA track yeah. meet last year you have to and raise the next your, year he beats a bunch of women yeah. we're just supposed to accept yeah. that and that's you have okay. to raise your children genderless you're right yep. for the track meet where where the mom and the dad get to sit in the audience and and to watch their daughter who's trained for a long time get beat by a guy that now says he's a girl and blown away so there's all this it's just removing of the foundations and the parameters I think the mother instincts even in these young women like. This is not good long-term. See, this is an issue where, and this is why I've said on the show in the past, Bob, this is the, this is the place that if the conservative, whatever the, whatever's left of conservative media movement, if it abandons this front too, to say, well, you know, we got to have our first, you know, tranny lizard Muslim speak at CPAC. Otherwise, you know, we're going to get called bigots by MSNBC. No one watches. Then that's my tap out. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this is like the last line of sanity left in any culture. Like what's a human being? What's a person? What's a male? What's a female? If we're going to give up the fight on this, then there really is no point in continuing to fight the left. And you're better off either choosing one of two routes, either I get thee to a nunnery uh, or get your suckling spot on the government teat before they're all gone and the, and the music stops playing. Because th- this is an area where the culture is showing you, you know, I I, I kind of just thought that really nice gay couple that lives next door to me just wanted to be able to live next door to me without being ashamed. And... Now you're telling me that you don't want in on the the normalcies of Americana that the rest of us take part in. Now you're telling me you want to deconstruct them. Now you're telling me you want to tear them down. Now you're telling me you want to end them. So you're not really interested in having access to the things that other people that don't have the same sexuality that you have, you do have, have not had to fight to have access to. Now you're telling me you want to end those things. It was never about getting access to them. It was about altering them. It was about ending them, changing them. And that, that is, that's, that is going to be a bridge too far for a lot of people. It's a domineering, it's a domineering spirit or a domineering attitude that you have to believe this. You have to accept this. You have to celebrate this. I was in a, a place of business locally. And a young millennial female, the exact demographic they're going after right here, she said to me, she said, do you have any idea how they got a whole month? Basically, what she was saying to me is that, you know, MLK gets a day. Mm -hmm. The president gets a day. Lincoln gets a day. Moms get a day. Dads get a day. Right. All that stuff. They've got a month? How did this happen? Right. It's the whole month? That you've got to celebrate. And then it doesn't end there, but you have to raise the rainbow flag wherever you go. You got to have it up on embassies. You got to do whatever it is. You've got, matter of fact, when um, one of the presidential contestants, there's 24 of them, so I can't remember her name. You probably will. But she started to say to all the men out there, and then she, she qualifies the men and the women out there, but she made it inclusive of both genders. Mm-hmm. And I just about tweeted, hey, if you're going to go woke, go woke. I mean, you, you're missing like 56 genders. You have out all here. the carbon-based life forms out right. there. 
And yeah. so it's one of those things they just want to push it further and further and further in a society without norms, a society without foundations, a society without any of that is absolute chaos. And I think some of these younger voters are seeing it about it's being forced upon them. When you, a few years ago, I wrote to, when I was uh, still writing for USA Today, I, I wrote a, a column it, and it was the first marriage ruling. It was the Windsor decision out of California because it was Windsor, then Obergefell, right? Yeah. And kind of lost in this, the shuffle of that Supreme Court session is the same session where the, where the court open the door to go full rainbow jihad is where the court basically got rid of the voting rights act of 1964 that happened in the same session. And I wrote a column for USA today at that time saying, this is a signal. You're, you're, you're being sent a signal. If you're black, your spot. Well, the, the term we use now is intersectionality. We didn't really know that term in 2013 and 14, mm -hmm. the way we do now, but, but essentially you're, you're, you're in the back of the line now. Your, your spot on the victimology meter, you were told this week, you don't really matter. You're taken for granted. And, and, it, and, the, and the rainbow jihad sits at the front of the line. Well, look at this week's first or last week's first Democratic presidential debates. They have proven what I wrote four or five years ago to be exactly true. Sure. We have a, we have a mayor of a major American city advocating for men to get abortions. At the same time, we're arguing about busing like it's 1974. Right. So we're going to have an art. So so the black candidates are still going to be arguing about the busing issue like it's the 70s, guys. You know, no. Who, the, who was the last time anybody had a hot take about busing? So so the black candidates still have to be arguing about an issue they were debating to get access to before you and I were like born at Todd. And then and then the homosexual community. Hey, uh, abortions for men. That is a great illustration of outkicking oh, out your coverage, your reach exceeding your grasp. And, 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 and they're going to take it, far be it for the Christian church to give the rainbow jihad any advice. But if there is any human institution that understands how it can overplay its hand in a culture, Christianity has done that on more than one occasion. Inquisitions, crusades. Christianity knows how to overplay its hand in a culture, guys. Christianity knows how to create a, a reverb that is a motherless goat back on itself. Mm -hmm. All right? And, and the rival church to us in this age, the rainbow jihad, that's what this is. The, 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 the rainbow jihad in many respects is like the worship team of the progressive church that's the rival religion to us. It is way overplaying its hand here. Right? And, and there were people that are like, you know, you brought a drum set in and an electric guitar and like, okay, maybe we need to modernize a little bit. But now we got dudes with tongue rings, you know, and, and, and you know, they've got uh, spiked uh, collared uh, wristbands. And you're like, you know, I, I kind of just thought we were all going to sing uh, Amazing Grace together, right? And now this became, you know, what, it, you know, you got another thing coming by Judas Priest as a hymn now. That's kind of what they're doing right now. And you sold the organ on eBay. Yes. The the other piece of it, though, is that if you watch the last pres presidential debate, they're willing to take down a guy that, quite frankly, was a champion for racial equality in Joe Biden. Obama makes him his vice president. But we're willing to take you down. Just like what we saw, if you're not, if you're willing to call out a boy participating in girls' athletics, even though you've been a gay rights champion for as long as people can remember, you're one of the pioneers in it, we're willing to take you down if you're not willing to accept that. So what it is is just keep moving that goalpost yep. further and further and further.
Good to see you, Bob. Thanks Good for joining us. Good to see us. you guys. Hey, most of you don't have a stoplight at your kitchen table telling you when it's time to stop eating because that would be weird, right? The good thing is that your creator put one in your body. It's a signal. It's got a long name, but its abbreviation is OEA. Just a signal that's supposed to go from your gut up to the brain to say, hey, we're full. We can back away from the table. Let's get active. We can stop eating. We're good. The problem is for too many of us, uh, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. Particularly as we get older, it gets weaker as well. That's where Riduzone comes in. It's not loaded with a bunch of ingredients you can't pronounce, chemicals, not a stimulant, not full of caffeine. It's really just OEA. It wants to put that signal back in your body. Who knows? This could be the missing link in your losing battle with your bulge. All right, if you want to give it a shot, just use my name, Steve, as the promo code and go to the website. They'll give you a special offer at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. We'll come back with hour number two, continue our study. Looking back 25 years later at Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be. Stay tuned. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand, here on the Blaze Radio TV and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 would be the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is D-E-A-C-E if you're listening to us today on a podcast. If you wouldn't mind, on the podcast platform of your choice. If you haven't done it yet. Leave us a five-star review only if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But if you do like us, embellish at least a little bit. We would appreciate it. Uh, and the more of those we get, the more people like you we find, and then the more likely we are to continue uh, to be gainfully employed. So thank you to all of you. Thousands of you have done this for us already. Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews. And, you know, I guess, you know, the, those of you that have gotten stingy with a four-star, we, we kind of thank you too, okay? But not as much. But not as much. That's right. So the conversation we were just having, because yeah, because uh, with Bob Vanderplatz, because he was in here when we were talking about North Korea, and we were discussing it with him off the air. And the approach that we are using right now with North Korea, for those of you that are not old enough to remember, is similar. Not not exactly the same, but similar to what we did with communist China. Now the difference with communist China is we had a reason. We had a we had a, a realpolitik reason to be friendly with them because they were actually more of a competitor for communist hegemony to the Soviet Union than a direct satellite state of the Soviet Union. I mean, we, at, you know, at the time that communist China arose, we were only fifty some odd years removed from the Russians fighting the Japanese for control of the Pacific Rim. And remember the Russo-Japanese War was that 1905, I believe. So, you know, these, seem, these time periods seem like so long ago to a country like ours that's about to celebrate, what, it's 238th birthday or whatever, or 241st, something like that this week. But if you're, if you're, if you're these cultures that are eons older than ours, 40, 50, 60, 70 years is, well, those, you know, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. That's what that is. So there was always more of a rivalry, rivalry between the Soviets and the Shikoms. We exploited that. And I think somewhat properly uh, in order to further destabilize the Soviet regime. But then we began to make a transition in the 1990s. 
or actually in the 1980s, we started making this transition. And we started debating whether to name the Chinese now, it was give them what was called at the time, most favored nation status. Do you remember this, Tom? Sure. Yeah. And the Chinese faced really no penalties for what they did at Tiananmen Square. In fact, just a decade after what they did at Tiananmen Square, they were given back control of Hong Kong by the British. And now we're sitting here today where they're basically our landlord. And they're at the same time that they own more of our debt than any foreign government does on this planet. They're also our primary economic rival. Who, by the way, you'll recall, the president is currently mired in a trade war with. So I find it fascinating that a similar approach in terms of trying... Now... Uh, similar in terms of the idea that we can we can like them in to the mainstream. We don't we don't have to have we can beat our swords into plowshares here. We can we can find that we all just want to make a ton of money together, and we don't have to do this. That's really the epitome of Trump's worldview. Well, at the same time, he is mired in a trade war with China who took full advantage of us welcoming, welcoming them to the, the world stage and buying all their goods and said, yeah, we're going to continue to do this forced abortion policy. We're going to continue to imprison and kill all the Christians. And we're just going to keep our people oppressed, but give them cell phones. Thanks, America. You showed us the way. This is how we're going to avoid the fate the Soviet Union received. <laughs> Thanks. You showed us a way to make this work. I find the dichotomy of a president who wants to have a trade war with China because ultimately you can't like totalitarians into being friends. Somehow thinks with North Korea, it will work. That, I, that disconnect makes no sense to me, especially when I see from my friends at Swiss America. So they've got this new report out right now, The Secret War. And one of the, one of the things they're pointing out is the alliance between all-powerful government and big business. Not just here domestically, but across the globe. And so you see companies like Google partnering with the Shycoms in putting together a, a, a social credit score. Which you know eventually we're going to start seeing these sort the same people that are going to say, hey, you know, those kinds of opinions. I thought, I thought what Ricky Gervais tweeted over the weekend, the comedian. Yep. See, he said, I find it fascinating that the same people that don't seem to have a problem with assaulting those whose beliefs they disagree with are the same ones who think just using words they don't agree with happens to be assault. He is no conservative, but that's like one of those Tatiana McGrath tweets. He's exactly right. By the way, if you want to get this report about what China is up to, what Google is up to, and they're not alone, just call 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. You can go to their website, SwissAmerica.com. SwissAmerica.com. It's called The Secret War. Todd, help me to understand how on one hand the president believes that we need to have a trade war with China because they have taken our welcoming them into the mainstream despite them being a tyrannical regime and then use that to leverage against the American economy at an existential level. That's what the president believes, right? Mm -hmm. Right? That's why we, we have to have a trade war because they're threatening us on an existential level, right? Correct. Okay. And then on one hand seems to think taking a similar, let's like him, let's like totalitarians in the mainstream approach with North Korea somehow will work. How does that happen? 
the same. His, his left hand is arguing with his right hand as we speak. Well, the same way he's on his third wife and has slept around with how many women, yet his, as a father, his children genuinely seem to love him. I mean, it, it, and have largely stayed away from most yeah, of the kinds of scandals the same, that have it's bedeviled a lot of other celebrity children. It's yeah. utterly schizophrenic. Can I ask you? That's an interesting analogy. I think that's it. Yeah. It's double, there's a double mind on this there, but I, I, after listening to you now, I, I think for me, here's what I know your perspective down to. And I think you're right. You are basically saying that Trump as it regards North Korea, he is in dangerous Neville Chamberlain territory. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> where it, he Todd. is. Yeah. You're stepping all over That's what a, I wanted that, to that say. Is, oh, is it? Okay. Then you <laughs> take it from there because that, no, that, is, that is exactly the, where he is. Yeah. I, and we have this, um, you, you know, for, for better or worse and for right or wrong, we have a nostalgic view, of course, of, of history. And we, we did produce, I mean, hundreds of thousands of brave men who stormed the beaches of Normandy. We just celebrated that last month as well. But Western civilization has been full of leaders who are Neville Chamberlain. Neville Chamberlain himself had to be set right by uh, a contrarian. And that guy, once he was done fighting the war and saving the British ass, you know, their asses, he was, uh, you know, the British voters, you know, you can go as well. Uh, we're going to kick your, you out of here. America, the, the movie, uh, the, the movie that uh, was made about Winston Churchill, uh, you know, it the, was darkest hour. the darkest, darkest hour. hour. Yeah. I mean, this portrays it brilliantly. America didn't want to get its hands dirty in World War II either. Uh, for whatever reason that it, we have in the, the, the Neville Chamberlain here is one, a very dangerous cocktail of cowardice and an aspirational view of human nature. And that is replete. I mean, you look at our foreign policy. Look at our foreign policy the last We're not five, out of Afghanistan. Six decades. What is going on here? Yep. Not being able to admit what you said at the beginning of the show about the worldviews, which is why I don't get my, my, you know, my panties in a wad about Donald Trump doing this because we have this. And, and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not excusing that we should be outraged when we don't see when we see our leaders not actually seeing the world for what it is. But I don't get my panties in a wad about this because I'm so used to this. And all of us are so used to this from our leaders as well, not actually being honest with themselves and with us about what the enemy is and who the enemy right. is. And that the that ultimately there is, as you said, I'm just regurgitating kind of what you said at the beginning of the show, there is capital E evil in the world. If 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 Donald Trump were a Democrat or any Democrat in America were president right now, same course of events, same chain of events. The idea that we would we would have um, you know come to a Neville Chamberlain comparison a year into this story. No, guys, literally every conservative media platform in the United States of America would have started using uh, Neville Chamberlain uh, yeah. comparisons five minutes into this story, not more than a year into it. I've given this as much time as I can. We've gotten nothing out of this. We're spitting on Otto Warmbier's grave. We're insulting his family. We have, we, we, we're going to attack Iran, then we're not. We back out of the Iran deal. Where are we at? And then when this, and then when there is real, that's a country, by the way, that is an existential threat that has a real dissident faction that has people willing to go to the streets and take on their government. This administration is nowhere to be found. Yeah. 
in in giving in giving them a voice and in, in giving and amplifying them, supporting them, encouraging them to throw off the shackles of the Ayatollah. We are nowhere to be found. And so what you have to understand these countries that are all sort of the the redheaded stepchildren of the global community, Iran, North Korea, Russia right now, um, they all are talking to each other constantly. And what they're and what they're doing is they're watching a president who uh when, when he's not sitting with Putin, loves to brag about how prohibitive his sanctions are, but then when he's sitting with him, says, after he's provoked by some metrosexual, skinny jean, hipster, and, 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 and reporter, hey, don't meddle with the next election, okay? Nothing. They're watching the lack of follow-through. They're watching the inconsistency. Let me tell you what I believe they say. I don't think they're intimidated at all. I think with, I think they see a clown. You want the brutal truth? I'll give you the brutal truth. The year of no BS. I think these totalitarian regimes see a narcissist, view the, view the American president as a narcissistic clown, and they're just toying with him. That's what I think. I think Putin sits down and then just goes back to his people and just laughs. I think I think I think Kim Jong Un's harem is, has has grown has swelled in numbers the last thirty six hours. You can't we we are making the mistake here. I believe that the progressives made post nine eleven because we don't want to have to follow through if the world is the way that we are afraid it might actually be that the enemy might actually be what we really think they are. We're going to come up with some, there must be another way that we're going to project things, our desires, our hopes, our inadequacies. I'm going to tell you right now, Kim Jong-un would much rather have all of the affirmation he has received from the president of the United States than pallets of cash from the previous administrations. Because that's, that's priceless on the global stage, what we're doing for him. And if I'm wrong, show me, tell me. But this used to kind of just be typical, boilerplate, conservative view of the world because of the lessons history taught us. I'm not going to suddenly forget those lessons because Donald Trump is president today and Hillary Clinton is not. And neither should you. He's not extra special. He's not the hostess with the mostess. He's not Superman. He's just a man. There, there is no ass kissing of villains that, well, you know, we just haven't tried it with this guy yet. doesn't work that way. I, the last thing I want is war with North Korea. History has shown kissing the ass of villains is typically a giant step towards going there. Ultimately though, now, if, maybe we'll get some concessions out of this. Show me where they are, and let's see them. What are they? The Chinese want a nuclear war? He's their puppet, basically. Or at the very least, their ward. Talking about Un. If you're trying to avoid nuclear war on the Korean Peninsula, then you leverage China. 
Well, Steve, that's why we're in a, maybe that's one of the reasons we're in a trade war with them. Okay. I, I might even listen to that. I might even listen to tariffs economically are a terrible idea in a global economy, but every, but sometimes in order to avoid a greater conflict, you use the tools of leverage you have. We haven't even, I've even entertained that on this show. Have I not, Todd? When we talked about it in the past. Yeah, as I've not I. shot it down, but, but you don't leverage China by petting their pet forum. North Korea is in no position in the next 25 years to be any kind of economic threat in the region to China. You're showing weakness to the Chinese. You're showing, well, maybe, you know, if his poll numbers get bad and the economy is in a recession next September, maybe he'll back off these tariffs when his own reelect is up for grabs. Because they're not looking at, they're not looking at the Rasmussen polling every month like you are. These are cultures eons older than us. They'll just wait us out. And they're like, you know what? If, if the Russians are like, maybe, you know, maybe he'll go back on his, on, on his, uh, you know, on his sanctions if his poll numbers are bad. This sort of mercurial world all over the place doesn't communicate strength. It communicates the exact opposite. And I'm sorry that that's happening with the, with the guy with the R after his name. But there are people dying and being imprisoned in North Korea today. Just like they were under the Obama administration, under the Bush administration, and under the Clinton administration. Nothing has changed. Just, we've gone from his crazy old man to this ridiculous bull-haired butcher of Pyongyang. He's just got a worse haircut. That's the only thing that's changed. Let's move on before everybody, before everybody leaves. And that's when I know I'm right. When you don't argue with me, you just get mad. It's not about whether you like what I'm saying. It's, it's about, is it true? If it's not true, show me. I'm, a, I'm on Team America. I want to win. So if this is how we win, show me I'm wrong. And the fact that almost every time the president does this, his own Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, basically undercuts his own messaging by going to strong. Have you noticed this? That's been the pattern every time. Pompeo's like, we're not giving concessions. He just completely undermines everything the president said. So if I'm wrong, show me. But if you come at me with, you know, support the president, and I just need to show you how wimpy and effeminate and much of a Trump cult as I am, great. Wrong show for you. Good news for you, though, is there's literally 150 damn others that'll do that for you. Okay? You're to come to me and step to me on this show? Better come with information that shows me I'm wrong. Otherwise, I'm going to treat you the way Alonzo Mourning used to treat Skinny little white guys that used to try to go for layups when he was at Georgetown. Get that crap out of my lane. Send that in the third damn row. So save your loyalty card for a show who cares. This one doesn't. We care about what the truth is. And history has shown the truth is this is a terrible way to deal with the villains of the world. And if it wasn't a Republican in office or the same guy in office, but he was a Democrat, we'd all be saying this. So I need a better reason that this isn't true other than, well, that's our guy. That doesn't work for me. That's my employee, not my guy. So I need to know, you know, why, I, I want my employee to make McNuggets, not fries. 
I don't care how hard he works on the fries. I need the McNuggets made. We're not making McNuggets. I don't know what the hell we're making right here, right now. Except we're making him stronger. The bull-haired butcher of Pyongyang. He looks stronger in front of his people. We're giving him propaganda. We're handing it to him. And every one of us, every last person drawing a paycheck from any conservative media entity would all be saying that today. Same chain of events, just put a D after the name instead of an R. Am I wrong on that? No. No. In fact, if that were going on, we wouldn't even be talking about it today because I'd be like, dude, everybody else done that show. Can we do something else today? So if I'm wrong, show me a real argument, not a stupid one. And if you send me a stupid one, I'm going to shove it down your throat. This is real life. Not time for, that's my team. That's my quarterback. If you watched 60 Minutes recently, the former head of the FBI Cyber Crimes Unit was on there sounding the warning. Home title fraud is becoming more prevalent, and that's because your home's titles and mortgages are being kept online in databases where they can be hacked. Here's why. Because now that they're vulnerable, so is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. That's vulnerable as well. And what the thieves do is they forge their name onto your home's title, onto your mortgage. They then take out loans using your home as collateral. They liquidate your equity in your home. And then you don't find out until the late payment notices arrive, until the foreclosure notices arrive. If you don't want this to happen to you, here's the thing. Your bank can't protect you. Your identity theft protection can't protect you. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. If you want to find out more, you can go to HomeTitleLock.com. Even register right now for a free title scan and a report to see if your home's title has already been targeted or tinkered with at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. I'm trying to get your attention because I think this is serious. This isn't a game, and I don't care what CNN thinks. And you know what? 99% of the people that are going to vote in this next election don't care what CNN thinks either. Have you seen their ratings? I don't care what MSNBC thinks. And I really don't care what any Democrats think, except for about three running for the office right now. They have a legitimate chance of being their nominee and about three members of Congress. You know what really matters more than anything else? It doesn't really matter what Trump thinks. What matters is what these regimes think. That's what matters more than anything else. I believe we're strengthening him. I don't believe the world is a better place with a strengthened Kim Jong-un. I don't believe the world is a better place when hundreds of thousands of Iranians go to the streets to say no to the Ayatollahs. And, and we don't say yes to them. I don't believe that makes the world a better place either. And there is no reason other than cognitive dissonance why you would go to a trade war with China who is in a position to challenge you for world supremacy. And then at the same, hand, same time, feed their pet for them over there in Pyongyang. There's not a reason for that. And it's not four-dimensional chess. It doesn't make any sense. 
See, you, you, again, you're basically, this is Trump's Iran deal. Yes. Yeah. Trump is to North Korea as Obama was to the Iran deal. The guy in Pyongyang doesn't care how many of his people starve out there. He doesn't care. And he's, until he's going to be made to care, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about being bought off. He wants legitimacy on the world stage. We're giving it to him. We're empowering him. He's rising up the ranks of the Shycom family tree as we speak. He was like Ray Krebs a year and a half ago. The, the, the bastard son Jock Ewing had, he didn't want to admit for 30 years. Now he's freaking JR, man. Now Jock over there in, 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 in Beijing is like, yeah, I think you might have the stones, man. I think you got what's coming to you. You might be the, you might be the next man in here. We're strengthening him. most powerful man in the world says, hey, would you mind meeting me here? And then I'll come meet you. I'll follow you around the world. We're, we're, not, we're not negotiating with NBC Universal for a time slot, folks. And we're not, we're not negotiating with you know, a, a, a fellow real estate mogul on the Upper East Side or West Side. I always forget which one is the rich one. We're dealing with a guy who has rape dungeons, executes people because it's Tuesday. And, and one of the ways he assumed the power he had is by killing some of his own siblings. I know you know this. This is something we all knew and we all understood until the guy with the R after his name tried it. We all knew this doesn't work. We all knew this. What's changed? The only thing that's changed is the guy with the R after his name tried it. Like we all knew, we all knew having government cover prescription drugs was a terrible idea and was going to be the gateway to a full-on single-payer system. We all knew this for decades. And then suddenly, the guy with the R after his name tried it, George W. Bush, and well, maybe it's not a bad idea after all. Yeah, we, can, we can tame the tiger when, I, when, when, our, when our guy lets it out of its, uh, you know, lets it out into the wild. How many more times are we going to make this mistake? Well, it'll work when our guy tries it. We'll just completely ignore all historical evidence to the contrary. Except because, you know, it's just because our guy's just so much more special. You know what? I know quarterbacks shouldn't throw in to triple coverage. I know that. I know it's terrible. But my guy hasn't tried it yet. My guy's really special. My guy, he'll figure out. He'll figure out how to throw that ball consistently into triple coverage and make it work. This has not been a good week and a half for foreign policy for this administration. It is sending all the wrong signals. As in, it doesn't have a plan. It doesn't know what it's doing. It's just reacting. You're up against regimes that don't have to compete for votes. They get to oppress their people. So they don't really care that, hey, you know, we got the news today that America has now broken the record for most consecutive months of economic growth in American history. Happened. Got that news today. 
do you think Kim Jong-un's cabinet, whatever the hell they call that over there, think they come to him with the unemployment numbers the first Friday of every month? No. You know why? If he doesn't they, care! That's why. Because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Think, think the, in Tehran, they're like, hey, our Rasmussen polling, we're over 50% approval. I think they're doing that over there. They don't care. Let's wait you out. So unless you show them you've got a plan and the resolve to stick to it to the end. I mean, imagine Reagan going to West Germany in 1987 and saying, hey, I'm not here to talk about the wall. I just want to know if Mr. Gorbachev will meet me here. It's a big, beautiful wall. And, you know, maybe we can all make great money together. Would that, that doesn't really stir the soul, does it? No? Not so much. I don't think it would have threatened them in any way, shape, or form. No? Because that's kind of what we're doing in North Korea right now. And I agree, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Because it's exactly what the Democrats would be doing if they were in charge. It's what they did. Instead of just compliments, they send them pallets of cash. The compliments are much more, much more powerful capital on the global stage, though. Particularly for him domestically in his political situation. So I mentioned this before, if you are looking to get involved in the real estate market here this year, make sure that you give realestateagentsitrust.com a try. You're looking for an agent that click or checks all three of these boxes. Somebody who has a track record of successfully navigating the real estate market and process. Uh, somebody who understands the algorithms, studies the data, but then also doesn't spare the details and studies the outliers as well, because there's always outliers in any algorithm. You got to find out, does that outlier apply to you or not? And then somebody who's personable, somebody you connect with, understand, returns calls, et cetera. It's a very relational process, buying, selling a home. If you're looking for an agent that checks all three of those boxes, go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. We'll come back. We'll continue our book study of Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be next. So if you are planning on sometime later this afternoon, you're like, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to crash here. I got to get some energy and going and buying one of those little bottles before you do that and, and putting something in your, in your body with a bunch of names and words and chemicals you can't pronounce, nor you're aware of where they're at on the periodic table of elements. Okay. Before you do that, uh, check out from dawn to dusk from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. They've gathered together to develop uh, the physicians there to put together the most advanced natural formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brain and your cells as well. 10 hours of improved mood, focus, with the clean energy from dawn to dusk. And it comes with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar as well. If you want to give it a shot today, get energy, nature, and your creator's way. All right? Go to BrickHouseSteve.com. All one word, BrickHouseSteve.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code when you're there to get 15% off of your first order at BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. Again, it is called From Dawn to Dusk. All right, let's get to it. We started this several weeks ago, looking back on the book that really is kind of the vanguard of much of what we know today as conservative media 
and the conservative movement. Rush Limbaugh is the way things ought to be. And we're on chapter five, and it's titled State of the Union. And this is a transcript. This chapter is basically a transcript of a, a monologue that Rush gave to his audience the Monday after Thanksgiving in 1991. So gentlemen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share excerpts of this with the audience in Rush's words, what he wrote in 1991. And then I'm just going to turn it over to you to give us your thoughts, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, I've hit my boiling point. I've had it and being told that the plight of the homeless is my fault. I'm sick and tired of turning on my TV and being told that the AIDS crisis is my fault too because I don't care enough. They didn't have Pride Month in November of 1991. No. I'm tired of hearing about how we're not spending enough on AIDS even though we're spending more money on it than we do the war on cancer. In this 500th anniversary year of Columbus's voyage, I'm tired of hearing him trashed. I, can't, I don't give a hoot that he gave some Indians a disease they didn't have immunity against. We can't change that. We're here, and we're the best country on earth. I'm sick and tired of people trying to change history so as to portray this country as an instrument of evil. I'm sick and tired of hearing Western culture constantly disparaged. This is, again, the Monday after Thanksgiving, 1991. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Western culture's got to go is the chant at Stanford University. What would Stanford be if the pioneers that are so reviled today as imperialists, racist, sexist, bigots, and homophobes hadn't fought their way across a continent to California? The American middle class is just plain tired and worn out. They get blamed for everything in this country. They're taxed more than ever. And now they have to put up with lectures about how we have to ship billions of dollars to the former Soviet Union so they can eat this winter. I'm sick and tired of turning on the television every Thanksgiving weekend and looking at news reports about what a rotten Christmas season we're going to have. The American people aren't spending as much. They're not wasting enough money. They're looking for a deal every day, not just every Christmas. No one I know goes in and just throws money around. The House Majority Leader Richard Gephardt telling the American people they expect too much from Congress. The truth of the, of the matter is that the American people wish Congress would just leave them alone. In 1990, they ganged up with President Bush and promised to reduce the deficit by imposing the largest peacetime tax increase in history. Now they're screaming again for more taxes. And the deficit just hit $400 billion a year. Do you know what economic growth would be in America if our deficit was only $400 billion? Take our current robust growth and like double it. Maybe triple it. Members of Congress exempt themselves from laws they impose on us. Like their overdrawn accounts in the House Bank. Working people are striving against the odds to make it in this country. And all the government does is view them as a revenue target. They're made to feel terrible about everything. Look at AIDS, a terrible disease, but it is largely behaviorally spread. And all we hear is people aren't doing enough. There's one simple thing that could be done about it. People could stop sleeping around. 
Instead, the kids of God-fearing parents are handed condoms at school and told, we know you're just a bunch of little minks that we can't stop you from exploring your sexuality and doing wrong and dangerous things. So here, take this condom and protect yourself. In many school districts, parents aren't even allowed a say in the matter. Well, if the schools are serious, maybe they ought to just convert the study hall to a giant bedroom with clean beds and clean sheets. Have the principal and school nurse demonstrate to every couple how to use a condom and then observe to make sure they do it right. Hell, we might as well just go all the way. In fact, if the schools are so certain that kids are going to do this, what they ought to do is find disease-free hookers and bring them in. Teach a little supply and demand while they're at it. We're getting to the point where the tax producers will someday be outnumbered by the tax eaters of society. We're actually there. And it's not even close, the amount of people who receive something from the government compared to people who pay in uh, from the private sector. Because a private sector job is the only job that doesn't take from government just by the, the virtue of its existence. Then we have the spaced out Hollywood left eating beans and rice to focus attention on the evils of capitalism. We're told that there is an inequitable distribution of food and other products under capitalism wrong. That's not the problem. The world's biggest problem is the unequal distribution of capitalism. The American farmer is being put out of business by a bunch of people who are more concerned with the rights of animals than they are assuring the American people have enough food at an affordable price. We're being told that cows and their emissions are our biggest enemies. Well, if I say pass the burgers... Again, this is November 1991. In schools, we're teaching kids about tribal Africa instead of Aristotle. We're not teaching anything actually very well. Our kids get lower scores on math and English tests every year. As a result, kids from backwater European and Asian countries are outperforming our kids left and right in school because we're hung up on teaching feel-good history and worthless social, social gobbledygook. The sympathy in this country is never for those on whose shoulders the burden actually rests. The diligent middle class. The sympathy is directed at people like the woman who was killed last year after she fell asleep in a dumpster and was crushed by a garbage truck and picked up the trash. The American people had that story thrown in their face for a week. They were told it was their fault that it happened, that the woman was so hopeless that she had to rummage around in dumpsters for food. Nobody put that woman in the dumpster. She climbed in herself. People are going to have to start accepting responsibility for their actions and stop bleeding the people in this country who accept their responsibilities and who seek it and who see to it that the country works. This is still America, but increasingly, many of us don't recognize it. Finally, I am weary and near my wits end having to listen to the complaint that the American safety net has holes in it and too many people are slipping through. Wrong. The problem is that too many people are using the safety net as a hammock. Those are excerpts from Rush's monologue the Monday after Thanksgiving, 1991. 1991. What year were you born, Aaron? 93. 93. Two years before you were born. Thanksgiving of 1991, I was at Grand Rapids Area Community College for a semester. Where were you, Todd? In 91, I was at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So, I'm just... After reading that, I'm turning it over to you guys, your thoughts. 
Well, what's past is prologue. Uh, that could have been said by Ben Shapiro today. Um, it could have been in a chapter in one of your books. Uh, he's, of course, right. Uh, it was um, both nailing it in the present and prescient regarding the future. But that doesn't stick out the most to me. He is not only wrong, but desperately wrong uh, on a couple fronts. When he keeps talking about this middle class that is sick of this and just wants the government to leave him alone, if that were true, we wouldn't be sitting here right now talking about the fact that the, what's passed is prologue. This, uh, that, that's where he was wrong. The, the middle class enabled it to continue how many years later, Steve? We're, we're close to 30. We're approaching mm-hmm. that. It's, it's the middle class's fault. Yes, the fish rots from the head, but we have a fish whose head is put in place by the middle class over and over and over again. So that's the part that stuck out uh, the most to me. And I get that because I was back then, I was always relying on a version, you know, sooner or later, you know, the grownups are going to grown up, right? The common sense has prevailed. I, I, uh, as a young man, uh, not fully aware of the nature of human depravity just did not come to understand that that's not how this works that's not how any of this works that that i think is the most amazing thing and if if you had to go talk to rush now in a totally candid beer summit moment what would he say about that point that i'm bringing up that middle class that that he's relying he keeps talking about that we go back to chapter one Stephen. he just talked about that you know, the entertainment and the kind of people he's reaching out to. Uh, you, you just sort of, a, not, not sort of a doctrinaire ideology, just common sense America, uh, Saturday evening post cover type stuff. That That is what's let this nation down. Because that middle class back in the day uh, got on that boat uh, and threw that tea right into the ocean and said, uh, and the horse you rode in on. That's not who we've been for a very, very long time. Yeah, what I heard throughout all of that is, um, so you're telling me that outrage alone, having your uh, mad as hell and not going to take it anymore moment perpetually, you're telling me that that alone doesn't actually accomplish anything? Uh, Man, that's really good news for people in our line of work, uh, that's for sure, but doesn't actually accomplish anything at, at the end of the day. Because I, I, feel, I feel like I'm listening in some ways to John Oliver. I love John Oliver uh, on most issues. He's the HBO Last Week Tonight guy. Hilarious dude. And about 80 to 90% of the issues that he looks at, and he takes 10 to 20 minutes to look at them every single uh, episode, 80 to 85% to 90% of the things he looks at, I completely agree with his diagnosis. But that's all it is. It's just a, a diagnosis. There is no plan, no call to action um, to actually change things. And so we're back at chapter number one. And again, we're trying to be fair to, to Rush Limbaugh writing this, um, not knowing what was about to happen. But I... If there was never, if there was never a vision beyond uh, this sucks, this is stupid, uh, you should be mad as hell. If there was never a vision beyond that, 
uh, what's been the point of the last 30 years? I mean, what, what was the point? I mean, we could have the same conversation about the pro-life issue as well. And that's been going on for even longer. Where, where was the vision? <laughs> Why was it taking this long to get, uh, to get bills passed like we've seen in so many states over the last few months? Why has it taken this long to get those bills passed to actually hopefully reverse that, uh, th that opinion by the Supreme Court? It's just a diagnosis. There's no vision here. There, maybe there never was. And that should be really depressing. It is to me, anyway. I think that... I understand why you feel the way you do. That's why I'm particularly interested in your perspective. And, and you didn't even say what I thought would be your most basic lament, Aaron, which is, you mean to tell me you guys have been all doing the same shows since I was born? Since before I was born? Oh, I'm past that point. Okay. So this was 28 years ago. 16 of those 28 years, there's been a Democrat in the White House. For 12 of those 28 years, a Republican has been. Um, Republicans have controlled at least one chamber of com Congress for what? Love the Freudian slip there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what uh four, six, about half of those years maybe more and this seems like the the proto version what do i mean by the proto version like remember when you watched episode one of star wars and you saw like the little uh, um trade federation fighters and they're designed to be like, they look like little proto versions of TIE fighters, sure. you know? Yeah. So um, that's kind of what we mean. You know, you can kind of see the, and since Sidious is the Phantom Menace pulling the tricks, uh, the, the, or the strings from behind the scenes the whole time, the eventual emperor, you kind of can see the, the, the seeds, the germinations of what's to come, right? This is a proto version of, of, of a variation of every show I have ever done. I mean, just just substitute the the blaming of America for the AIDS crisis um, on you know what has morphed into the rainbow jihad today. Yeah, it's our fault. Yep. You know, higher rates of suicide. Yada, yes, yada, yada. yes, yeah. Um, take the the def the deficit spending of four hundred billion. What is it now? I mean, it's like six seven trillion. And then you have the unfunded liabilities and mandates. I think I wrote in one of my books that if that what every American would owe to pay all that off would, would, would stretch multiple times between here and Uranus. And yeah, I chose that planet for a reason, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I mean, everything that he touched on is a proto version of the same conversation. The debates about capitalism, that it's a flawed process. I mean, he's, he's confronting this in 1991, guys. His was a worldview discussion. There. Yeah. It actually was. Yeah, absolutely. He he senses the scene or he sees the, the clash and worldviews coming. So I don't fault someone in nineteen ninety one for not having any idea what was going to happen in two thousand and sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. We're not prophets. My question is 
And, and the question I'd be asking if I was Aaron's age, and the question I am asking being one generation ahead of him, um, how come we never seemed to rise to the occasion? When it was clear, this is where this was always going to end up. That's a topic I think we need to discuss as we go further into this book. And not worry about, you know, gazing into the future of what Rush, Rush wrote back in 1991. But where were we in 2001? 2009. I'm just randomly picking years. Before it devolved at this point. Hey, one more time. If you have been making all the right lifestyle choices... And you're wondering, why am I not seeing the progress I had hoped? Give Riduzone a shot. What Riduzone wants to do is help get your body back into that, into that uh, metabolism that you remembered when you were younger, the fat-burning machine that it used to be, because it, it puts the OEA back in your body. That's the signal that goes from the gut to the brain that says, hey, we're full here, we can be done eating, and kick that metabolism back into high gear and get back to what we were doing. If that's what you're looking for, it might be the missing link. For a lot of Americans, that signal just isn't as strong as it used to be, particularly as we get older. And that's all Riduzone wants to do is put that, is put that OEA right back in your body. All right, so go to Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. When you use my name as a promo code there, they'll give you a special offer to give this a shot. All right, not loaded with caffeine, chemicals, stimulants. It's just that OEA right back in your body. All right, Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. Use my name as the promo code there for the special offer. We're going to stick around with our time here done. We're going to stick around and tape a little overtime. We'll talk about what happened to journalist uh, Andy No over the weekend, assaulted by Antifa uh, and, uh, and some of their thugs. We'll get into that. For the rest of you that aren't Blaze TV subscribers yet, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.